Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how we doing today? Y'all, the kids ready to be back in school? If you're not already, this is the, the week, right? Moms, y'all ready for me back in school? All right. <laughs> All the kids are like, no. Mom's like, yeah. Might even get a nap this week. I didn't mean that as an insult. I hope y'all didn't take it that way. Anyway, I like naps. Is everybody here doesn't like naps? I'll pray for you. Naps are good. Just, just saying. All right, wanted to talk to you about a couple things. Next week, um, our staff evangelist, uh, Ronnie Hill, will be preaching, and, and we're having what's the, the beginning, the first of what we hope will be many in the years ahead, calling it Code One Week. And that means that in that week, we're going to be, um, every, every service, we will be given a, a gospel presentation for the whole message. Um, that's what Ronnie does. You know, he travels all over the, all over the world um, preaching the gospel and He's one of the best I've ever heard at it, and we're really fortunate to have him here when he's not traveling around, and uh, he is traveling around today, so he's not here, but he'll be here next week, and so we really want to encourage you to bring people to church next week that don't know the Lord, um, invite them to come be here, whether you got to bribe them by taking them out to lunch afterwards or breakfast beforehand or whatever, do your best to get people here that need to, to, to know Jesus, and uh, we're going to give them an opportunity to do that, and um, We'll also be doing that in our children's services and in our youth services next Wednesday night, and uh, we're excited about that, so uh, be praying about code one week this coming week. Um, today, we're going to talk about in our, our series called Flipside, you know, when we think about someone being called or having a calling, a lot of times we think about that um, in terms of a minister or a pastor, and what I'm going to start out to do by saying is, well, I'm, maybe I'm not called, but you're called. And so we're going to talk today about your calling. Everyone has a calling in life. Everyone has a purpose in life. And um, you may not know what yours is yet. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe you have some idea. But I want to kind of go through and give you some uh, opportunities to maybe see what your calling might be. And so we're going to start out in Romans chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. If you'd please stand and honor the reading of God's Word. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, the first thing is that we're first called to belong to Jesus. And that's God's ultimate purpose for man is that he be that we all come to know Christ and then that we would be uh, transformed into the image of his son. And we all have a purpose here on this earth after we come to know him. Romans 8, 28 through 30 says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to, be, to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So he causes everything to work together for his purpose, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. And here's the first thing that I want you to think about. 
everyone in here that has a relationship with Jesus, that knows Christ, we are here as a result of other people living out their purposes in our life. In other words, maybe you just heard a preacher and that brought you to a knowledge, saving knowledge of Jesus. That was a man who was living out his calling and it affected you. Or maybe it was just somebody that was another believer invited you to come to church or told you about Jesus. Whatever it was, every single one of us came to know Christ because of either one or multiple other people in our lives that were living out God's calling and God's purpose in their life. And his ultimate purpose is that everyone should come to know Christ. He says clearly in his scripture that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. And it takes all of us doing that for everyone to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But we're first called to belong to Jesus. And then the second thing is this. Everybody has a calling in life, but our calling is, a, is built upon our calling to follow Jesus. And I know you're, well, you just said that, but here's the deal. The Bible also tells us, and you know what? Some of this is a, mystery, is, is a mystery, and I don't get every aspect of it. But you know, there are people that are going to be, belong to Jesus, but that maybe for just a short time, or maybe don't ever really follow him like they're supposed to. The Bible talks about people that, in the end, everything that we do is going to be tested by fire. And that, you know, there's going to be some that are going to have works and they're going to be, it's going to be shown to be pure gold or pure silver or precious stones. But then there's some that everything they've done in life is going to be wooden straw and it's going to be burned up. And the Bible says they're going to be saved, but as yet through fire. Okay? And so other, in other words, they were saved, but after that, they didn't build, in, they didn't build upon it. They didn't follow Jesus in their life. So there are going to be people that, that make it into heaven but didn't really follow Jesus. And you know what? In my life, there were two, the two major moments in my life spiritually were, number one, I was saved when I was seven years old. You know, I understood that I was a sinner. I understood that I needed a Savior. I needed to be forgiven of my sins. That happened when I was seven years old. And then you know what? There was some progress. I grew here there. But then there was a point when I was almost 18, where I just finally said, all right, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And that was a moment where I committed to following Jesus for the rest of my life. A moment where I surrendered everything that I had planned, everything that I wanted, everything that I was shooting for, and said, God, I'm going to forget all that, whatever you want me to do. I didn't know where it was going to take me. Ultimately, it led me to Weatherford, Texas. Here I am. All right? But that, that calling to preach, to be a pastor, to be a, a vocational minister came from that moment. Now, it didn't happen for several years, but it came from that moment where I said, God, I will do whatever you want. And here's the deal. You're never going to discover your real calling in life, what God created you to do until you become a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, some of us are fans of Jesus. Hey, y'all love Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm all, all about that. I'm all about telling, you know, wearing the shirt, doing the thing every now and then, but we're not followers of Jesus. You got to be a follower of Jesus to find your calling. And when you become a follower of Jesus, your calling is going to find you. And here's the deal. All of us have a calling. And some of you already know what it is. Some of you are living it out. 
Some of you are, are experiencing that in your life right now. Some of you don't know, and that's okay. Sometimes it takes a while. But that passage I want us to see, he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. And the call to follow Jesus is the foundation of every calling. If you're not sure what it is, here's what you do to, to find out, all right? And it's, it's found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see what? There's steps there. Number one, there's that giving of everything we are to God as a living sacrifice. God, I'm yours. What is it that you want for me? And you know what? It's also, you talk about God's will. It's not just about following your calling. You want to know if you're single and young, whatever, and you're looking to find, figure out who it is that God uh, has for you, if he has someone for you in marriage. You know how you do that? By presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, by letting your mind be transformed by the power of Christ into the image of his son. You know how I found my wife? By following Jesus every day. It's really that simple. You know, that's not the way we want it to be, is it? You know what I'd like? I, I wanted, I can remember thinking, man, if God would just send me a letter and just tell me, hey, I want you to be here. You're going to meet this girl this date in this place. And then I could relax till that moment. But it didn't happen that way. You know what? It, it just came down to following Jesus every day. And if you follow Jesus every day and the person that God wants you is following him, now you're going to make mistakes, but God overcomes mistakes. That verse I just read to you, he makes all things to work for good. If you're both trying to follow Jesus, you're going to find each other at the right time and the right place. Seek after him. You want, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about a job. Here's the best way to figure that out. Follow Jesus every day, every single day. Well, you know, we're so worried about five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road. You know what we do? We mess up today. Because we're so worried about what's going to happen next year, the year after that, or the year after that. You know what Jesus said? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Follow me today. When he called the disciples, you know what? He didn't tell a single one of them how they were going to provide for their families or where they were going or what they were going to do when they got there. Not one of them. He came up to Peter and them and said, hey, come with me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets. That was their living. You understand that was what they were doing. That was their job. And I know most of us, we got to, we gotta, that terror, that, ter that gives us terror, doesn't it? Man, what if God just told me to walk away from everything? Hey, his will for you is good and perfect and pleasing. It's right. And part of being willing to surrender yourself is being willing to say, you know what, God, I don't, whatever. You want me to do something different? You know what I grew up worrying about? That if I really committed myself to Jesus, he's going to send me down to Africa to the cannibals. That's what I worried about as a kid. Man, these missionaries would come in and they'd have these slideshows and, oh, here's this little so-and-so and here's the cannibal chief that, you know, and I'd be like, dude, don't send me there. I don't want to go there. We got to be willing to follow Jesus. 
That decision that you make to be a follower of Jesus is a powerful decision. And it powers the rest of your life. God has a calling for you. Everybody has a calling. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take the credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none, none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, that's the good thing is that the moment that you were created, God had a plan for you. And the moment that you're created anew in Christ Jesus, you're a new creation. God has plans for you. And you know, here's the thing. We think of that as being work or whatever, but God designed us to work. You know, this whole image of us, you know, when we get into heaven, I remember used to think it was going to be boring because we were all going to sit around on harps singing hymns all day long. And now let us sing the 43 verse, 43rd verse of Just As I Am. I'm like, man, that sounds boring. But that ain't what God did when he created the perfect world. You know what heaven's going to be like? It's going to be a lot more like the perfect world than what we got, the first world he created than the world we imagined. And you know what he did? He, he created this, this incredible earth. And he puts man down there and he puts him in the garden. And he says, look, he says, tend and he put, it, put him there to tend and till it. And then he told him, subdue the earth. It's all yours. But it was perfect. They didn't have to worry about weeding the garden. There weren't any weeds. They didn't have to worry about stepping on stickers. There weren't any stickers. They didn't have to worry about snakes because snakes were beautiful back then. Now, now they're cursed. Kill them all. Just saying, y'all know. <laughs> but they didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. They walked barefoot through the garden all the time the world God created without worrying about it. Matter of fact, they were bare. Everything was bare. Y'all, there weren't any worries. It was perfect. So God created us to work. One of the things in the, the Ten Commandments talks about, remember the Sabbath day, that's a day of rest. God created a day of rest for man. When, when, the, when the earth was created, God was working. He worked for six days and then he rested. He created us to do something that mattered to be creative, to be a part of seeing things built. You see, God created us to do something, to live with a purpose. Now, sometimes that purpose just shows up. You know, there's somebody we come across that needs help, somebody that we can minister to, somebody we can do something for. And then, Sometimes we try to subdivide our lives, and that's not scriptural. It says in Colossians 3, 16 through 17, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him, God the Father. You know, sometimes a calling is a job, but sometimes it's the things that we do outside of our jobs. Sometimes this may be something that we're passionate about. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's a place we volunteer, something that we do. You know, there's, two, there's differences. You know, I think of uh, somebody, sometimes a job can be a calling. Like a football coach, Coach Johnson, I believe is one that has a calling. It's not just to teach kids the X's and O's in football. It's, it's about molding young men. That's his calling. And you can see that in the way that he lives his life and the way he approaches things. And then I know other people that they have a job and that job is to take care of their bills, but they're calling somewhere else. You know, I think of a guy like Jay Flanagan. You know, I've known Jay for 20-something years and I've never really been 100% sure what he did for a living all that time. Because that's not, that's not this to who he is. Do you know who he, who he is? Is the guy that I see that's constantly being involved in people's lives and ministering to men and, and to families and helping his wife lead in the children's department. And, and, and that's his calling. And you can see that he's passionate about that. He doesn't talk about work when I'm around him. He talks about the, the people that he's impacting and the things that are going on in their lives. He has a calling. Sometimes it, it's related to work. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes it intermingles. And sometimes it's just about the things that we're passionate about outside of our work. The, if God has something in your life, there's something that you do that puts you in the presence of other people, you have a responsibility to represent Jesus when you're there doing it. Too many of us see our hobby or our thing we're passionate about as our escape from everything else. And it might be a, a way to relieve tension from work, but it should always be about being a representative of Jesus. Whatever you do or say, do it as representative of the Lord Jesus. And for some of it, it isn't our work. Maybe your work is your calling. Maybe it's there that you find the people that you're to minister to or the ways that you can make a difference. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. You know, there is an opportunity. You know, I find it all the time. You know, do you, do you realize that when you go into places or you interact with people, how many times you, you know you find out that they're a Christian? It's because they're living out their purpose. They're showing you. They're living it. And we have the opportunity to do that to live out our purpose. You know, some people were called into nursing. That's a way that, to be a part of healing. Some of us were called into leadership in a, in a business. That's a way to have influence over people, not just in business, but in life. Some of us were called to serve. And we're in the service industry. And in that, you know, some of the greatest blessings that, that I've seen throughout life have become through people that it was their calling to serve other people, and they did it with joy, and they did it with commitment. You can live out your purpose, and you can find your calling sometimes in your job. Sometimes you find it outside, but, it, man, it, it, it's wrapped up in... When you find somebody that that's found their, has found their calling, they're passionate, aren't they? Passionate about their calling. And sometimes it's just... Our, our callings are for a season of time. Sometimes God calls us here for a while. That happened all the time in Scripture. God would call Paul or Barnabas or Peter or whatever. Hey, I want you to go over here and do this. 
And then he'd call them somewhere else. And sometimes it's not a lifetime calling. Sometimes it's for a period of time. You know, my, my wife was called as a, as a school teacher when we were married. And, and she was serious about doing what she could to be able to share Jesus when it was possible. Or at least to be a representative of Jesus when it wasn't. And then there came a point where God called her to, to come, come home and, and to raise our kids. And that's a calling too. And so one was for a season, and now we have another season. And then, you know, as soon as we get the last one out of the house, then I'm, you know, maybe I can retire and she can go out and get a job. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was just joking about that. She's not in here. Don't tell her. But you know what? So we have callings sometimes that are for a season. And sometimes it's about our ability and, 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 and that meets a need. You know, my, my son-in-law had a little car trouble and he called me up and I offered what I could, a ride. <laughs> I'm not a mechanic. I don't have that ability. Um, you know, I, I could come look at it and say, I can see it's not running. That's true. But I can give you a ride. But you know what? There's other people that, you know, have offered to, hey, I can, I can help you with that. Because that's their, that's their ability. I mean, that's what they can do. And so sometimes it's just where ability meets need. 1 Corinthians 12 a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Now, it goes through some of the spiritual gifts, and I'm not going to go through all those, but those gifts are given to us so that we can help each other. And that's where an ability or a gift meets the need of someone else that is in a spot that we can help them. And there's all kinds of different things. There's wisdom and hospitality. Now, there's people that that have a way of making people feel at home and welcome. And a lot of those people serve as greeters. And man, they're some of the most important people in our church. Because people make up their mind about our church most of the time before they ever get in here and the service is starting. And so, we, you know, if somebody's, if your thing is like, eh, you know, go through that door. If, it, if people are not your thing, don't be a greeter. There may be something else we can find you do behind the scenes, but don't be that. But, you know, sometimes it's just where God's, what God's given us meets a need. And then there are other callings. You know what? There are, there are callings within the church. And that would include a pastor, a, a deacon. That would include, you know, Bible study leader, maybe working with kids, teenagers. Maybe it is being a greeter. And there's different things that, that come from that. And one of the things we, we really encourage people to do is to seek out within the church. Hey, I, wanna, I think maybe this might be my thing. Go try it. We're fine with you trying it and then coming back and saying, that's not my thing. Man, I, I was, believe it or not, I taught um, kindergarten BBS. And finally I went to Tina and I said, this is not my thing. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but it's somebody else's thing. And it's okay to try. And it's all right to do something and then realize, you know what, that's not me. I'm not, I thought maybe my heart was drawn that way, but it wasn't for me. That's all right. We want to encourage people to do that. We're fine with people coming and saying, hey, I want to try this. That didn't work. Let me try this. We're fine with that. We want you to find your calling. A lot of times a calling in the church comes and it begins with God. And he'll draw your heart towards something. And, and here's the deal. Exodus 3.10, God came to Moses and, and said, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. 
And a lot of times when that call from God comes, guess what? You don't think, oh, well, I can do that. Most of the time we don't think we can. We don't think we can do what God. Moses was like, God, send anybody else but me. I can't do that. I can't stand up in front of people. They're not going to listen to me. Why me? What? I don't have anything. And a lot of times that's our response when God calls. So don't think your calling is only when you go, oh, yeah, I can handle that. Because when God calls you to do something, a lot of times, most of the time, maybe nearly all the time, you don't really feel like you can do it. But are you feeling prompted? You feel like God's drawing you to something. That's the first thing. It comes from God. A calling in the church comes from God. Now, the second thing is, God calls us in different ways. And so there's no one way that I can say, hey, here's how this happens. I mean, he, he appeared in a burning bush to, to Moses. With Paul, he appeared in a blinding light. And he tells him, he says, look, go into the city and when he's speaking to, to Saul, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And so sometimes we don't even know. We just know, man, God's calling me to do something. I'm not sure what. That's okay. God will reveal that at the right time. And you know how he revealed it? He sent a guy to him and said, here's what I want you to do next. And then he went and did that next thing and then God told him a little bit more. And sometimes that how, how's that, that's how calling works, is a little bit at a time. And within the church, it's rarely an immediate thing. Matter of fact, pretty much never. I mean, if you feel like God's prompting you to be a greeter, that's probably pretty quick. If you feel like God's prompting you to teach a Bible study group, that's going to take a little bit. If you feel like God's calling you to lead worship, that's going to take longer. If you feel like God's calling you to, to, to preach the gospel, that's going to be even more. But here's one of the things that I want you to always see. It always happens through the local church. It begins with the prompting of God, but it gets verified by the church. That happened in Scripture, and it happens still today. In Acts 13, 2 through 3, one of these, one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, Men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Now, before that, they had been able to observe both Saul and Barnabas and watch what they were doing and how God was using them. You know, here's the thing. If you feel like God is calling you into vocational ministry to be a pastor, be a youth pastor, worship pastor, or children's or something like that, you go to your local church and you, you, get, you, you find people that will verify that calling and be willing to submit to the leadership of that church so that they can see that God's calling you, so that they, can see, they should be able to see it. You know, I have had people that came, you know, come up to me at different times, and usually it's the first time here, hey, how do I get to be able to do that? You know, talking about worship or whatever. And I, you know what I tell them? Are you involved in a church? Well, no. First thing, it always happens in the under the authority of the, of the local church. Because here's the deal. Because people are like, well, I don't know about that. You know, sometimes people don't want to join the church. Well, I want to do this, but I don't want to join the church. Though, sorry. Because here's the first thing you have to show to be able to, to be put into a, a position of authority. And leading a Bible study is, is a position of authority. Being a worship pastor is a position of authority. Being a pastor is a position of authority. The first thing you have to do is, is to see 
and demonstrate that you're willing to be under authority. Because you can't be in authority without being under authority. Those two things go together. And so I get people, well, I don't get why you do it that way. Well, if God sent you here and he's calling you here to do something here, then he's also calling you to submit to the authorities and the leadership of the church. And if the church says, well, you have to do this to, do, to this, God's calling you to do that, so do it. It's really that simple. And if he's not, then maybe this isn't where God's calling you to, to serve or to worship. And I'm not picking on you, but some of y'all, y'all been dating this church a long time. And it's time to put a ring on it. You understand what I'm saying? Contact a staff member about starting that process. That's part of the deal. It's verified by the church. You know, when, when I, God actually put me in a spot to be a part-time youth pastor when I was going to college, and it was during that time that I really began to understand, hey, this is, this is not just something to do for a little while while I'm in school. This is something, I really began to, to feel and realize that this is what God was calling me to do for the rest of my life. And so I told the leadership of the church. And so we went through a process that lasted over a year. And it's not always this long or always, you know, for every position or whatever. But I went through this process and then I had, and man, we, we were, they were serious about it. They had an ordination council. And they not only had everybody that was ordained in the church I was in, they brought people from outside that I didn't even know. And they grilled me for like two hours. And not only that, the church observed and people testified, I have seen that in him. I believe that God's calling him to do this. I do believe that. And then they brought me before the church and they laid hands on me. It was, a, it was an ordination ceremony. And you know what? That meant a lot to me. And you know what I know? And this is, this is the day and age we live in. You can get online and get ordination papers from somebody. And I've known people that have done that because they, somebody asked them to marry them or whatever. But here's the deal. I don't consider them ordained. That can only be done by the church. To lay hands on one and to verify them that, they're, that, that God's called them into ministry. That happens by, through the church. It doesn't happen through a computer. It happens through the church. And so you need to be willing to be verified by the church. Qualifications matter in some positions more than others. To be a, a, a you know, a, to help with the coffee bar, to, to help um, maybe be an assistant in this or to, to do something in that. You know, there's certain things that we expect to see. But then there's some things where, you know, to, to be a, a small group leader here, unless you've been doing that somewhere else where we can verify through a church that we know, it's going to take a year before we're going to be willing to put you in that spot. We want to see, A, faithfulness. We want to see some spiritual maturity. We want to see growth. We want to know that that's somebody we can trust to put in charge of a small group. So there's different things. Qualifications matter. I'm going to read the qualifications for deacons in 1 Timothy 3, 8-13. In the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. Now, understand something. Nobody's perfect. It's not looking for perfection. It's looking for growth. It's looking for faithfulness. 
is looking for obedience. And they're supposed to be examined. I mean, how would y'all feel if we just, oh yeah, somebody came by and said they felt like, you know, I, sometimes people are like, well, I feel like God's called me to do this and that ought to trump all your, you know, you examining me. No, it doesn't. That's not how it works. I mean, would y'all be okay if you got kids? Oh yeah, somebody showed up this week and said they thought they were called to, to, to watch over kids and to, to teach them the Bible, so we put them in there. Is that okay with y'all? I hope you would say no. We would never do that. Now, I want you to understand something. This is not like we're going to, okay, well, bring us your last 12 years, W-2s, and, you know, we're going to do, I, I, we don't need all that stuff. And it's not because, well, you know, hey, you did, something's happened in your past. It doesn't mean you're disqualified from leading or being a part or exercising your gifts. Now, there may be some things, like a pastor, there are some very strict qualifications for a pastor. But that, that's rare to be called to be a pastor. There's only, there's only a few of them in this whole county. Okay? And out of our whole church, and we, you know, between online and, and in person, there are 1,200 plus people that attend here every week. And so that, because not everybody comes every week, you should. <laughs> but because not everybody comes every week, you're probably talking between, you know, 1,500, 2,000 people that are regularly involved in our church. And out of that, there's one pastor and a few, a handful of vocational ministers. So that's, that's fairly rare. Now, I wish that God would send more. That's one of the things I worry about. Young people, if you're willing, pray and ask God, what do you want me to do? And be open to that. Because you know what? Here's, I went to a convention, state convention a couple years ago, and... I'm still the, one of the young guys, and I shouldn't be. I'm concerned about how few people are being called, or at least answering that call, to serve God through a local church. I'm concerned about that. If you feel like God's calling you, we'll help you. We would love to help you. We would love to help young people or whoever. If you feel like God's calling you to that, we, we'll sit down and we'll be honest with you. We'll tell you the truth. We want to help. But it concerns me. It says, let them be closely examined if they pass the test and let them serve as deacons. In the same way their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control, be faithful in everything they do. And then here's the big part about calling. A deacon must be faithful to his wife. He must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that their, their children have to be perfect. They don't. But are they doing a good job at managing their, their home? And here's the deal. Some people take their calling, maybe their calling is their job, as an excuse to neglect their most important callings, which is to be a husband, to be a father, to be a, a wife, to be a mother. And that, that's the deal. That's not trying to throw guilt on people. But what I am saying is that those, those callings are more important than your calling to your job or to your ministry. And it, does that mean that I don't ever spend an evening or even a weekend away from my family doing what God's called me to do? No, it doesn't mean that at all. I do that, obviously. And there's times we've told our kids through the years, hey, Dad, you know, I have to leave after dinner to go see someone or 
or maybe not even be able to come home till late at night because of something that was going on. And my wife will tell the kids, hey, daddy's talking to somebody about Jesus or he's trying to help someone, whatever it is. And so, yeah, those moments happen. But it's not an excuse to neglect your family who you call. And in this situation, not, if you do neglect your family, that means you're not managing them well. Because to manage, you've got to spend time. And so we've got to understand there are callings that God's given us that we cannot neglect. And that's one of them. So don't allow some of those things to overwhelm you. But also, you know what? There are people, and, and it doesn't mean that you've been perfect in the past, but be willing to be examined by your church. Be willing to be held accountable. You know, I, believe it or not, there are people that hold me accountable. There's times they come in and say, hey, man, I don't think that was the right thing to do. Or come in and ask me, is this going all right in your life? What's going on? And I need people, you need to be accountable. And that's part of what a church is for. And understand something, the people who are, you account, who are holding you accountable are not perfect either. They know that. None of us are perfect. But those, those callings are found within the church. And those, those are some of the most impactful callings that you can have. You know, there are people that come back to this church and one of the people they want to see is the lady who was their sixth grade small group leader who's been doing it for years and years and years. I'm picking on the Flanagans again. That's Judy Flanagan. I mean, how many of y'all went to, went to her sixth grade class? Raise your hand. There's people all over here. And they always come back to see Miss Judy. It made an impact. See, your calling can have an untold impact on the lives of the people that you get to minister to and be a part of. And you know what? Here's something else I know. There's some of y'all in here that in the future are going to be small group leaders. And maybe God's put that on your heart a couple of times. You know, you ought to, and then and you're like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, some of the best small group leaders that I've ever seen were people that came and said, man, I feel like God's prompted me to do this, but I just don't, I can't do it. They're some of the best leaders because you know what? We all feel that way. We all get overwhelmed. I think, man, I, this is more than, this is, this is, that's, but let me tell you something. If you're going, man, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Let me tell you what that tells you. It's a calling that is worth pursuing. You understand? It's a calling that is impactful, that will matter. If you feel, if everything you ever felt called to was like, sure, I can do that, no big deal. It's not, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. But the ones that stretch you, the ones that are beyond what you can do, the ones that you're like, man, if God doesn't help me with that, it's going to be a failure. Those are the best. Those are the best. We've done things in this church through the years that I've known like on the eve of them or as we was probably, I'm like, man, if God doesn't show up, this is going to be a huge royal disaster and everybody's going to blame me. You got to be willing to say, but I, God, I, I believe you're calling me to do this. I'm going to do it. If it fails, so be it. But God, I know you're going to show up and do what you can do. And man, those are, those are some of the most meaningful moments in my life and in the life 
even of our church, are the things we've been willing to do that with as a staff. Be willing. I, I get it. It feels scary. Well, you know, I can't just go tell them I think I can do this. Hey, we'll, we'll help you work through it. We want to. But the things that you're, you're scared of that you do, you know and other things in life. Man, I was scared to death to do this, but then when I did it, it was, it, was, it was one of the best things I've ever done. You can tell that about adventures, about moments in life, and the same thing's true about God's calling. They are a little scary. But man, when you trust God and do it anyway, there's a potential for miraculous moments in your life and in other people's. And it's those moments that really are the juice of life in following Christ. They really are. What's your calling? If you're not sure, you want to find out. Maybe some of you know, but you've been running ducking it. We're ducking. Be willing to just say, God, whatever you want me to do. Be willing. As always, that first call is to, is to belong to Jesus. And the first part of living that, that life that God's promised, that life of purpose, that life of meaning, begins with belonging to Him. And so if you don't have a relationship with Him, we want to give you the opportunity to begin one a day. So in just a moment, I'm going to lead anyone who would like to in a brief prayer of salvation that will help you begin your relationship with Jesus. Here's the three things that are important. Three, I said four at first. Three. Number one, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all need a Savior. We need someone to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so we've got to admit that we're sinners and ask forgiveness of our sins. Number two, we've got to believe in Jesus. Jesus it wasn't just some guy's God's son, and he's the one who died in our place for our sins so that we wouldn't have to. We've got to believe in him. We've got to believe he died on the cross for our sins. And we got to believe that he rose on the third day according to Scripture. So number one, admit your sins, ask forgiveness. Number two, believe in Jesus. And then number three, it says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. you got to confess Jesus as Lord. Now, if you'd like to do that today, you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, that you're in right relationship with God, and that that relationship's gonna last through eternity in heaven. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. You can repeat it after me or you can pray it in your own words. Just pray it in your heart, God will hear you. But I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes, and if that's you, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior. And I confess him as my Lord. 
Now, I'm going to ask one thing of you without anybody looking around. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's all I'm going to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want you to look up at me right now. If you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you. Okay? All right. here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you tell someone. If you came with somebody, tell them. But I would also encourage you to tell one of us here at church. And here's why. We would love to take a few moments to answer any questions you have and to talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask you for anything. We're not going to put you on a list. We're not going to bug you about it. We just want to help you and know what the next steps are in following Jesus. So there's different ways you can do that. John will be standing here at the front immediately after the service. You can come up and tell him. We can have somebody meet with you today or we can set up another time. Or you can do it by texting, I did it, to the number that's on the screen. There's a QR code there if you'd rather open that up and do it that way. But it is important that you tell someone. If you're here with your parents, tell your parents. And they can get in touch with our children's minister, a youth minister, and set up a time for them to talk to you. We want to make sure that you understand. Right now, I'm going to pray for you and pray for our church. And I really want to encourage you to tell someone. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness, your love, and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed today to begin a relationship with you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to do that. I thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the calling you give us in life. Father, help us to seek out, to surrender to your will, Lord, and to live the life that you have planned. It's a good life. And thank you for that. Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.